We are back. Urban Woof Radio, Radio Next.tv at the Cool Groove site. Come to you on Wednesdays from 11 to 11.50, introducing you to Christians who are doing good in and around Indianapolis. We are sponsored by the Cominius Institute. At the Cominius Institute, we cross three bridges. The first is into college. That is, I work at IUPUI, uh, not only teaching there, but also uh, counseling and meeting with young Christians who are, are anxious to think about their studies and disciplines from a decidedly Christian point of view. Work for, with a lot of other great folks there, uh, a lot of other great groups, and of course the great faculty at IUPUI. We're also uh, crossing the bridge into community, which is what this radio show does. Uh, we've been doing it for four years now, over 200 episodes, over well over 200 guests. We're grateful to introduce you uh, to folks in and around Indianapolis who are doing good based on Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14. Do good, do good, do good. And our third bridge is into culture. And so I'm constantly writing and speaking on any manner of issues and events and ideas. And uh, one of the last uh, peer-reviewed journal articles, for instance, that I've uh, published was on the theological basis for the abolitionist movement in the Civil War. So we're constantly engaging all kinds of ideas. Uh, our Truth in Two comes out every Tuesday morning uh, and we're grateful to give people uh, an idea of how to think Christianly about whatever it is uh, we might be considering in the wide world. But today, we are just thrilled to have Erica Young here with us. She is a financial consultant, an independent one at that. Erica, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. We're grateful for referrals, by the way, and I should say a shout out to Sonia. Agree, we thank you so much for uh, sending Erica our way. We're grateful for uh, this insight that we're going to get today. Erica, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your church, wherever you want to take that. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I am a mom of a teenage daughter and a 20-year-old college student, and mm. so that shapes a lot of the work that I do because they school me a lot on, on things, <laughs> and they're the reason why I actually do some of the work that I do. Um, mm. I'm married, been married 21 years. And we attend Heartland Church, and we just love um, the teaching and preaching there. We've been in Indianapolis now for seven years. Nice. The reason why I'm here, though, is because I'm a financial coach, and I've been coaching nearly for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And it's a personal story because my husband and I found ourselves in quite a lot of debt back in 98 when we got married, and mm -hmm. we wanted to find a way out. And sadly, we tripped over ourselves a couple times before we decided that it was a high enough priority. But it did, in fact, take us about five years to get out of all of the debt that we had, and it amounted to over $90,000 in debt at that time. And mm. so the freedom of what being completely free of debt is absolutely amazing, and it just opens up doors that a lot of people are not aware of. And for us, I was an engineer, and I, I had practiced for seven years. That's what I went to school for. That's what my degree is in. And I found myself a little bit lost. I enjoyed some of the work that I was doing, but I certainly wasn't satisfied or fulfilled in that work mm -hmm. as an engineer. And I wasn't able to actually talk to people, communicate, and really be able to engage on the level that I wanted to mm -hmm. and started to seek out different things that I could do. And on our debt-free journey, that's when I started getting curious about, is this something that I could help other people with? And so mm -hmm. I found Dave Ramsey's actual counselor training and I went through that and I was able to start helping people in my local church and trying to make a difference where I could because I know that there are people in debt everywhere and we all have goals and dreams that we're not able to reach because our financial habits are holding us back. Mm -hmm. And so 
Uh, I left engineering in 2005, and since then, I have been on a mission to make certain that as many people as I can uh, help are able to live their dreams and goals because they have a financial plan that really works. Wow. That is some backstory. <laughs> Seriously. You asked. No, that's a wonderful, seriously, and I love the detail of that. So some of the stuff that stood out to me in your explanation were $90,000. Let's start there. Yes. I mean, that's a huge number. It is. It is. And actually, it amounted, most of it was our student loan debt, which uh, is considered normal or good debt or yeah. expected. Yeah. We did have two car payments. We did have seven credit cards. It, okay. it really wasn't, it was a mixture. I mean, and we were at that time probably overachievers. We had more than the average at that time. And mm -hmm. now the sad part about this is that a lot of people see that kind of debt just in student loans alone. Yes. Uh, and a lot of students coming out of college or graduates are faced with a tremendous amount of pressure trying to figure out what to do. And so some of the community work that I've been doing recently is getting involved with University of Indianapolis and talking to um, some of the high school students who are about to go to college and give them tools so that they can actually go through college debt-free. Also talking with um, just high schools in the community. Yep. I went to George Washington High School yesterday Good. and helped some of the students get some financial principles. If they want to play on their phone, I gave them a financial <laughs> calculator to use on their phone. And and just you know meeting them where they're where they are right. because most of the people that come to me are in their forties they've done stupid like I did mm -hmm. and they're trying to find a way out and they aren't really fully living in integrity mm -hmm. around their money because they just allow things to happen mm -hmm. and so if we can be proactive and teach our kids at a young age yeah. and be open and honest about where we've tripped over ourselves then we're doing better for our community. That uh, that line uh, we done stupid that was <laughs> that that stands out in my mind as well. Uh, you know, coming back to the idea of debt, I mean, the biblical uh, understanding of this is huge. I mean, I've written papers on how Scripture is totally dead set against debt, or the fact that when you're doing the lender creditor bit, that it has all kinds of negative ramifications. Absolutely. Even though sometimes. It's of great necessity. I mean, I can't think of anybody that has a house that hasn't had a mortgage that right. can just lay down all the right. money, you know, kind of thing. So talk a little bit about the backstory to the biblical base, because I know you're working mm -hmm. with Dave Ramsey. Yes. And I, I think Dave has a couple things there to say about a biblical base. Well, I'll tell you this. Yes, I am definitely a big Dave Ramsey fan, love him and the work that he does. It's really what changed our life. Mm. I will tell you that we can't allow debt to be a crutch. Mm. One of the biggest things that I say to people is most of the time you're not going, you're going to have a loan. You're not going to purchase a home with cash. And we don't want all of your financial life to be about having a free and clear mortgage at the age of 25. Mm. But how can you clear out all of the rest of the things that hold us back? Personal loans, loans to people, friends and family, mm -hmm. um, being on top of your finances so you can actually pay for, you know, a car with cash. Fancy that. It's possible, right? Yeah. Um, not using credit cards as, as a means to leverage yourself from month to month. There's so many, you know, ways that we can go into debt and we have to be wise stewards over what we have. The biggest problem is being overextended. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest problem is spending more than you have each month and it carrying over from month to month. That is what 
we need to avoid. And so biblically speaking, one of the things that I did was, you know, really did some soul searching a few years ago and tried to figure out who my real audience was at that time. And I, I love working with couples and I really, I found out the reason why um, in Genesis one, it says that, you know, Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. Um, and what that means is that they were one, they were a unit and they, they could be themselves with one another. And I find that financially we are not free like that. Um, today people jump in the bed before they actually have a conversation about money. And so I wrote a book called naked and unashamed 10 money conversations. Every couple must have. And what this gets to the heart of is how a couple can get down to the brass tacks of what's really important in the relationship around finances and reach those goals together as a team versus being so secretive and private and holding back all of this past mess that we bring into the relationship around our money. I find that um, we tend to put God in a box and say that it is only one way and only uh, naked and unashamed only applies to this married couple who is supposed to give themselves to one another. But really, mm-hmm. that means every part of yourself, including your finances. And that means some of the ugly stuff that we did in the past. So straight up, I got to say this right out. Right out. Uh, I have never in my lifetime ever heard anybody link nakedness and financial <laughs> counseling. <laughs> never in my life. So, I mean, this by itself is a whole podcast. You could call it nakedness and financial or whatever, you know. Well, I do have this disclaimer. I say, okay. you know, first of all, let's get down to the brass tacks of money and the things in the bedroom will get a little bit easier <laughs> if you're able to get intimate financially first, sure. right? Yeah. And, yeah. and let go of some of the barriers that we put up. We put up walls all the time. And this is, I think, one of the, the big issues, you know, a, the smile on our face aside, you know, the whole point of uh, the emphasis in Genesis chapter two about being naked and unashamed is to your very point that there's a completion going on, that there's a transparency and openness and so on. And, you know, the hiding of things uh, financially, I mean, that does nobody any good. Right. So to, to this point is really a, a powerful statement, honestly. Yeah, I think a lot of people are really worried and concerned about how they will be perceived, mm. even by those that they are closest to when they talk about their money matters. And so the way that I've approached the subject is I tell my story and mm. I, I let them know that I was in debt. I let them know that it was difficult. I let them know that in marriage counseling, in front of our pastor, he made us give each other our credit reports. Mm. So my husband got mine and I got his and I wanted to scream. I didn't know what this was going to (laughs) do. We weren't engaged yet. I Uh, thought it could have been over because who wants to assume your debt? And, And I found that we did that very young before he put Mm -hmm. a ring on my finger and we found a way to move through that together. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of it was honestly, our paths were a little bit more similar than we thought. I mean, both of us came from single parent households. We didn't have a whole lot of help with our, you know, college education. And so we took that debt on ourselves. Both of us had, you know, student loans. And so being able to be transparent from the very beginning made it easier for us to have other conversations that were also difficult. We still today, after 21 years, still have challenging conversations. Sure. They will never go away, but you just have to learn to be effective in that conversation so you can make progress. And it's important uh, just to have the conversation. I mean, if, if we just stop with that one word conversation, to actually talk with each other about whatever it is that we 
we're encountering that may be good or bad, you know, uh, but you got to stand up together on that kind of stuff. That's right. That's a big deal. Um, I, I wanted to go back to another word that I heard you say outside of the $90,000, but I was thinking about uh, the word habits. Now, you use the word habits very specifically yeah. in a phrase. Kind of uh, expand that out a little bit and talk about how important that is in financial planning. Well, the first thing is that we need to have some healthy financial habits. We need to start looking at ways to improve because habits are what you actually do versus what you say you're going to do. Um, habits keep you in alignment with your integrity. Habits show you where you're really, um, things are most important. Uh, when you start looking at your finances and you do a reality check is what I call it, and you start mm -hmm. seeing where all of your money is going, it tells you what's most important to you. And so if you need to shift that narrative to something that is more in alignment with what you want, you want to become a tither, you want to become a giver, you want to be out of debt, you've got to shift your habits in order for that to become possible. So define habits for us, if you could. The things you do on a regular, everyday basis. And so that is the use of credit card debt or the use of cash, or are you consistently giving? Where are you um, spending a lot of your time? Is it in Starbucks? Is it, yeah. you know, what are you doing? Or are you avoiding on a regular basis? Is it your habit to never look at your bank account? So I just throw this out there and see what you think about this. I, usually tell people you can spend one of two things in this life, either your time or your money. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Ooh, it depends on the moment. In the moment you could be spending your money, in the moment you can be spending your time. And mm -hmm. I find that a lot of people, this is a, a saying, a lot of people who are broke say they have more time than they have money. Right. Right? Yep. You know what? That might very well be true. And so if you have more time, then it's time to go figure out what God has put on the inside of you to actually create so that you can have more money. Mm -hmm. Part of why I do what I do is so that people can unleash their dreams and their potential. Mm -hmm. The reason why I was able to do this work, I mean, I, I took a big pay cut to actually start this work, to be, to be honest with you. I was an engineer. I wasn't sure how much I was going to make doing financial coaching, but it was what God created me to do. Just as a sidebar comment. Uh, chemical computer. I was an ele electrical engineer. Electrical. Okay. Yes, and I worked on cell phone parts and the okay. wireless Game Boy for Motorola for seven years in Arizona. All right, I just wanted to make sure everybody knew what kind yes. of engineer. Yes, so I like the statistics and numbers and that kind of thing, so it translates well here. But I spent quite a lot of time in front of a computer and not interacting with people. So let's get back to the time money bit because you really have uh, hit on something I think that's really important. That is that if you have time, that that time can then be transferred into creating wealth. Absolutely. Absolutely. I fully believe that if, if you focus your time in the right places, you'll be able to find the gifts and the talents that God has already put on the inside of you. And he will give it a place to flourish. Mm -hmm. When you focus on basic money management, the money expands. Mm -hmm. You have to give God something to work with. And if he doesn't have something to work with, uh -huh. then you, there's nothing to grow and expand. If we mm -hmm. ignore our finances, then it's just going to become an out-of-control mess. And, and this is an analogy I use all the time. Many of us have seen an abandoned home. We know what that looks like. You walk up to the house, and you see on the driveway there's debris, the grass is overgrown or, grown or, or brown, the, the trees are hanging down, the bushes, the shrubbery mm -hmm. is just out of control. There's nothing attractive about mm -hmm. walking up to this house. Right. And you're scared and wondering, what's gonna happen if you knock on this door and what's on the inside? It is not inviting. Yeah. But a well-manicured lawn 
is one that has been cared for. It takes tools, it takes a lawnmower, it takes time, it might mm -hmm. take money, it takes water, fertilizer, and someone who knows how to use all of that to create something that is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Green grass, planted um, red roses, bushes that are trimmed or in some wonderful shape that makes you look twice. And then you walk up to that home and you say, well, if the outside looks like this, the inside must be something. But that person or team of people had to do something to make that happen. And if we leave our money unattended to, it's going to get out of control like that too. Mm -hmm. Weeds pop up mm -hmm. and that's death. Mm -hmm. You know, and so if, if we don't manage our money and start paying attention to it, mm -hmm. then we're going to get exactly what we put into it, which is nothing. So you're talking about something that most of the rest of us refer to as curb appeal. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So, you know, there's a sense in which um, the curb appeal for us is important. And I love your phrase, you know, you got to give God something to work with. That's mm -hmm. a great line. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that you wear your wealth on the outside. Right. right? Exactly. No, exactly. I think that you don't have to show everybody everything. You just need to do, it needs to have an audience of one. It needs to be God. He needs to be pleased with what you do and how you manage the funds. When the, the, the sowers were in there managing this, the, the talents, mm -hmm. they put it underground. They didn't tell their friends what they were doing. They put it underground and then it produced fruit. It produces fruit. They didn't go tell everybody what was really going on. They just managed it. They got to work. Yeah. And so for the, for, for the person who wants to invest and who wants to make a difference in their finances, you don't have to go broadcast that. That's not something that I do with my friends. And if, the, if I did, they would, you know, be sick of hearing me talk about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. so you find a way to do what God has called you to do without being flamboyant about it, about it and that kind of thing, because that's not what God is really looking for. Give him the glory at every point yeah. because it's all about him anyway. This comes back in my mind again to Genesis 2, 5 and 15, where uh, we've been given the responsibility to be in the garden to produce from it, but also to protect it. Mm -hmm. So both of those things are necessary for right. us. Within the framework of the kinds of conversations that you have, how would you talk about the concept of pr uh, producing but also protecting? Well, some of the obvious notions are to have insurance and to make certain that you're around good counsel and to make certain that you are involved in causes that are worthy. Those are the simple things that you can do in practical nature where I get really detailed because my business is called Tailor Made Budgets is that mm -hmm. you look on a regular basis, on a monthly basis to see where your seed is going, mm -hmm. you know, and you are intentional about your goals. You're intentional about your investing. You are intentional about um, how you manage the rest of that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that people just really, the word for me that I've been saying for all of this year is be intentional. Mm -hmm. And if you are intentional and if you are thoughtful, and if you have, you know, God's principles for your life in mind, your money's going to go where it needs to Right. There has to be a plan invested in this. We have to actually uh, know what kind of direction we want to go in. Mm -hmm. Now, Proverbs 16 is pretty clear about this. Uh, chapter 16, 3, 9, 33, so many other verses within that chapter emphasizing this idea that we might have a plan, mm -hmm. but God might take us in a different direction. Sure. Now, that's a whole discussion point by itself, but we have to take a commercial break. So uh, we're going to be taking a one-song break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Erica Young. Uh, we want to make a segue in the second segment 
uh, to one of uh, Erica's other passions, which if you haven't yet noticed that the woman is passionate <laughs> about financial uh, issues here, we're going to talk be talking about ethnic equity as well. You're listening to Warp and Move Radio, Radio TV at the Cool Group site. A one song break. We'll be right back. We're still live. Uh, I did, uh, I wanted to come back to something HB said right up before we started, which was about the podcast issue. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I, I notice, you know, about numerous guests that I have mm -hmm. um, are, they fall into two basic categories. Either I have to pull stuff out of them mm. or it just flows. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those that just flows awesome. times. Yeah. So yes. well, I kinda like to talk, so <laughs> yeah. well that's okay. <laughs> so I think <laughs> if if it happens that you want to take this to another level, you want to be invested in something else, I would be pleased to participate in that in the sense that mm -hmm. uh, if you want an on ramp, you okay. know, if you want a, a week, two weeks, a month of Hey, I want to come back uh, with Mark and we'll talk through this, the biblical, we're going to lay foundations sure. and then you just kind of take off or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to impose myself. I'm sure. just saying, hey, if that's helpful to you. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. I'll yeah. think about that. Yeah, do that. And and uh, for what it's worth, I think, you know, the kinds of things that we could do in the sense of establishing the biblical base and then from your obvious vantage point, you know, the practical results yeah, of right. what this kind of stuff looks right. like. So. Exactly. But you'd also said, um, you know, that the issue of how we actually started the program having to do with the marriage coupling and the importance of that. You may just want to take off, you know, you and your husband find a lot of time and you want to just do those kinds of things. So whatever, whichever way you go, I think you've got an awful lot of good to emphasize to folks. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm actually taking my husband with me to my financial conference next year. He's been going a couple places with me this year and next year kind of getting him into the space he's okay. got he's got his work but um into the space because i really on the inside feel that god is saying this is a team effort yeah and we need to just figure out what that needs to look like and sure. so that's yeah. ex that absolutely. would be exciting yeah absolutely so what is his vocation he is in sales okay so he works for astrazeneca yeah and so he's in market access and basically partners with I have no clue what that is. <laughs> Sorry. Tell me what, what it is. Let's call him a partner between the hospitals and the doctors to make there sure that there's continuous yep. patient care. Okay. There we go. Excellent. Yeah, that word just kind of threw me. I'd never even heard that word before. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I study Hebrew and Greek and all those kinds of things. <laughs> I don't know what word that was. but Medical is a whole other language. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you've got to have some Latin in there, I'm sure. Yes. I suspect that's probably important. Yes. Um, so let's, and whenever I do this, I, I always say to people, where you want to go is most important. I'm mm -hmm. just going to throw softballs out there and let you hit them. Um, so if you want to go, we want to make a segue, a tie to the economic and the financial mm -hmm. and then move into the equity issues. Mm -hmm. Um, does that sound good? You want to go in a different direction? That's totally fine. Totally yeah, good. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Um, and I want to make sure to just say up front before we go back on, um, when I use the word ethnic, I use that instead of race mm -hmm. um, because we're the human race. Mm -hmm. And I also use, I was glad to see your use of the word equity, mm -hmm. uh, which emphasizes an opportunity issue That's rather it. than an outcome issue. Yes. Because as much as I would love to play center for the Indianapolis Colts, that's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. 
um, you know, the outcome there is not the same for me. That's exactly right. So I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Definitions. Sure. Yeah. Definitions are huge. Very, very important stuff. So I teach a course at uh, IUPUI called Reading, Writing, and Acquiring. Okay. And among other things, I pound the concept of definition. You have to know, you have to agree if you're having a conversation about what the definition is. Mm, that's be true. That's true. Before you can even carry on the conversation. That's true. Yes. And that's to me everything. All of my after school programs are the same way. We have to get the definition of what we're talking about out here before we can know what we're talking about together. There you go. A lot of times we have split groups that one group knows the definition, another group doesn't, but they know the same thing, mm -hmm. but they're arguing about the same thing. That's right. So it's sick. Language. Yeah. Very important. And if we've learned anything in culture over the last however many years, the necessity of being careful mm -hmm. in verbiage, much less uh, allowing <laughs> allowing that to rise from the character of the individual mm -hmm. so that we recognize that what comes from the inside of a person, you know, really when you, when you have whatever words you're choosing, definitions, whatever, that people see that it comes arises out of this individual yeah. person. Right, and I think a lot of people internalize from their vantage point, so yeah. clarity up oh, front. Yeah. It helps to reduce Absolutely. how things are taken in a right. different way. So thanks for allowing me to kind of set up some of those words there. Sure. So we have a commercial, 10, 15 seconds. We'll be coming back in again. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. You see lots of green lines on the screen over there. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site on Wednesdays from 11 to 11.50. Uh, just to give a sense of what the future holds, next week we have Eric Cooper from Stone Table coming uh, to spend some time with us here in studio. And then actually uh, we're going to take a month off uh, over the holidays as well as uh, my teaching is going to take me in, in different directions on the, onto the East Coast. Uh, but coming back to our discussion today with Erica Young, and we had talked, Erica, in our first uh, section of this program about financial security, and we've kind of uh, hit on some really important and, I, I think, imperative kinds of topics. But I wanted to make the segue for everybody so that they understand your second passion. It's not mm -hmm. secondary. It's, it's just another passion that you have which has to do with ethnic equity. So if you would kind of uh, do this for us, would you link the first segment of our show, mm -hmm. the radio show, okay. the financial emphasis with ethnic equity? Sure. So first of all, I want to share how I got involved with it. So for those who are watching, clearly I'm an African-American female. So th that is not, however, why I'm interested in having that conversation around diversity, inclusion, ethnic um, equity, that kind of thing. It's really because we are all people and it's important to understand that we're, yes, we are all the human race, but all of us are so important. The, we got involved in doing this a couple, like a year ago, actually, some friends and I started talking, we saw a um, Jada Pinkett Smith Red Table talk and we thought, oh my gosh, we should bring this local. <laughs> and so we 
were intentional about inviting a diverse group of women. Mm -hmm. um, so not just black women, not just white women, but making certain that we had a diverse enough group where we could have some challenging conversations yeah. around why race matters, um, what diversities of ethnicities and how that makes a difference, how that's showing up in your life. Um, and it has been amazing. We meet every single month mm -hmm. and we are able to forge relationships that we didn't have before and mm -hmm. learn from one another and come to some understandings, but also to challenge ourselves to mm -hmm. think outside the box and do some things that we hadn't done before and to just infiltrate a space that is kind of hard to do in the suburbs. The, mm -hmm. the truth of the matter mm -hmm. is that, you know, Sunday can be a very, very segregated day. I'm thankful that my church Heartland is pretty diverse, mm -hmm. but I will say that there's a lot of people who don't realize how important it is to have a community that looks, you know, so unique and different and not just solely like you, right. because we can learn from one another in so many different ways. And so mm -hmm. I like this conversation personally for those reasons. It's exciting and it's fun and I'm meeting a lot of people and we're doing great work there. But also, where it concerns money matters, what I find is that, one, workplaces that aren't diverse um, are limited in how far they're able to go, what they're able to do, the impact they're able to make, the communities that they can serve. Um, those are the things that are important to me. And when I go into a business and organization and do a lunch and learn around finances, mm -hmm. it's important for them to see um, that diversity can include the services that that company provides as well mm -hmm. and going into communities and teaching them about money matters that are in these communities that may be underserved or where students may not have the type of um, information that will help them do better with their finances that's also important to me mm -hmm. and so I think that there are so many ways in which these two intersect but that's kind of how I got involved with doing this in the community on a on a personal basis. So it was all about Jada then? Oh, well, you know, <laughs> I guess so. It's all about Jada. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just couldn't wait to throw that in there, you know? Uh, yeah, she and Will Smith. Uh, yeah. Great stuff there. I, I just love the whole concept that, you know, there was one thing that maybe sparked mm -hmm. your interests and then you just kind of took it off on your own and made it your own thing. Yeah. I wanted to come back to a word that you used in the first segment and tie it to this discussion because it's so obvious, I think, to anybody, uh, which is the word intentional. Mm -hmm. So everything, quite frankly, in life is intentional. We all make willful decisions to do or be whatever it might be. Uh, for instance, this radio show, we I mentioned at the top that we've had over 200 episodes, well over 200 guests, and half of our guests have been African-American. Mm -hmm. That's been very intentional on our yeah. part. So our whole point and focus is to say to people, look, <laughs> this is really important and we have to actually do something about this. Let's be intentional about That's it. Right. So um, to that point and to the point of what we generally refer to as diversity in the workplace, let's mm -hmm. go there for just a moment. Uh, diversity in the workplace and the necessity of making sure that we have different points of view represented. Mm -hmm. How important is it that workplaces, companies, businesses create that by being intentional in their hiring practices? Oh, it's, that's where it begins. Talk about a softball question, that, right? That's where it starts. <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest with you. I have even challenged one of my dearest friends 
who has a business that is not diverse. And, you know, what I shared with her was when someone is looking to apply and they see that they are not represented, they feel then that they are not welcome. So it's not that that's what you're putting off, but that is what they get. And so their application is maybe not something that is important for them to do. If they see themselves there mm -hmm. and the other employees or in the people who are at the top, if that's what they aspire to be as well, then they can visualize that it's possible for them to do it. All of the young ladies who saw um, the South African woman win Miss Universe the other day mm -hmm. made those little children who look like her mm -hmm. believe that they could do it as well. And yeah. it's the same in the workplace. Yeah. It's absolutely the same in the workplace. And it's one of the reasons why I'm really thankful that I get a chance to go into businesses that, you know, where the employees may not look like me because they're learning from someone different than them. Mm -hmm. I love right. that. It Isn't just makes it's, it's so much fun to me because they're not expecting an African-American female to come in. And when I do, they're like, oh, it, it gives them pause. And I'm fine with that mm -hmm. because I really want them to know that um, we all can learn from it, all, each of us. Well, quite frankly, there ought to be a lot more pause being had, had you know, just generally speaking across uh, any given spec, uh, spectrum of life. Um, I, just as a side comment, uh, I teach at a seminary grad school on the East Coast. And when I was there last in October, we had three PhD classes meeting at that time, 27 students in these classes, five continents, mm -hmm. 11 countries, and I couldn't even tell you how many languages. Mm -hmm. To your point that when you see somebody who looks like you, that's right is huge so i realize that this is difficult for some people to kind of even have a conversation about much less anything else sure. how how much of the time that you spend in situations like this um, do you have to have a conversation ahead of let's say for instance any teaching you might do mm, that's really a, that's, that's a good point i typically don't have a conversation ahead of time okay um i don't mind the surprise factor, mm -hmm. but also I think that it's important that I represent without feeling I have to gear them up. Yes. And so I think that it's important that people just, that we, you are okay, okay with the fact that I'm okay with myself. <laughs> yes. And, and, and you so, actually know you know, I, there are times when I'm on a podcast or doing some online training or something and it comes up in that conversation and I let them know this is who I am. I'm an African-American female, if you could not tell. Um, but for the most part, you know, when I go into businesses and do trainings and workshops, sometimes we've met ahead of time, but sometimes, you know, when I walk into the door, that's who I am. The sadness, and I have to say this. You know, the sadness to me is that we even have to say these things. Mm -hmm. That's a sadness to me. Mm -hmm. The second part of the sadness is that um, it, that the surprise factor mm -hmm. is beneficial mm -hmm. uh, because that says more about the people you're going to speak That's right. to. Than about That's you. exactly right. That's <laughs> and, exactly right. And then the third part of the sadness is that I don't care 
who you are, where you've come from, what you look like, but you have something you can help me with. Oh my word. Thank you very much. Yes. Well, and the other thing, and this is why my friends and I started our real talks and continue to do those every month is because people need to understand that there may be a cultural difference in why we do things yes. the way that we do. Right. And to simply have an appreciation to have a dialogue mm -hmm. and even have language that is positive around that is very important. So the, the whole concept behind uh, understanding culture and context yeah. and the huge nature that that brings to any conversation. Mm -hmm. um, how do you engage those kinds of conversations? Do you have any stories or examples that you have in your thinking about maybe one of your business uh, engagements or your teachings or podcasts or wherever where you've talked, you've had to give an example or talk about culture context is important. Yes, actually. So I was on a podcast earlier this year, very early on in this year, where we had a panel of us who were talking about how um, equity in, fine, in the financial realm, there is a link to your biological, not your biological makeup, but what your race and ethnicity, your, you know, who you are. Yeah. Um, because there are some cultural differences in how people have tended to manage money. Mm -hmm. um, and it is largely due to, you know, what the family has decided to pass down. And people need to understand that there are differences. So in my community, it is very common to help out your family members when somebody decides to do well and and they are doing well in their finances and so that is a tax on african americans for you know earning more money and that's real and if you don't know that that ex actually exists that people are dealing with you know people who are constantly borrowing money asking for money things of that nature if you don't see that that, that is present um then you it's going to be difficult for you to have any level of sensitivity and, and help them mm -hmm. and so as a coach on that panel i was helping you know the other people and we were all just having this discussion but when we talked about that that's real and it helps you relate better versus you know this is what you need to mm -hmm. stop doing mm -hmm. we have to have a sensitivity because there are different ways that people have been conditioned and learned how to manage their money. And so um, I think that we can break down those barriers. Mm -hmm. I don't think that um, we need to leave people without help, I, you know, but I think that in order to help yourself, mm -hmm. you, you need to actually look at what God wants you to do, help yourself, and then out of your abundance, help others. Mm -hmm. And that hierarchy gets broken down when we spend too much time focusing on the wrong stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you had mentioned the word equity a couple of times, and we had talked about this a few moments ago. Tell everybody when you use the word equity what you mean. Yes. So a, a really good example is when you look at a, tr a track. Uh, you know, I'm a runner. I haven't been running recently, but I'm a runner. <laughs> I'll own it. And on a track, you'll see that on the inside of the track, the that is actually a shorter path to run mm -hmm. and then on the outer side of the track it is wider mm -hmm. equity is when you see the runners at the starting line they're not all at the starting line somebody um toward when you're on the edge you actually have a look it looks like you have a bit of an advantage because it's wider mm -hmm. you have it, it looks like you have farther to go and so making certain that you 
have the same starting line means that somebody might need to get a leg up in order to just see over or be able to start at what the same, the same line might look different for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and so if equity is just making certain that we're, we yeah, have the a same, same opportunity, same opportunity yeah. because if you can't see the window because of things that have happened in the past, you need that leg up. Mm -hmm. So the necessity of helping people to understand that we're talking about uh, a hand up, not a hand out. Yes. is huge. Mm -hmm. It is actually. And I think that's where the conversation is diff difficult for a lot of people. And um, my goal in terms of the financial arena is to help everybody do great with whatever amount of money they have. Mm -hmm. And also not to make excuses for mm -hmm. where they are in their financial life. And so, like I said, God can work with whatever you have. Um, and I really believe with everything in me that he will expand what you give him to work with. Um, but I think that people really in the natural need to make certain that they're being wise, wise stewards over what they have and finding opportunities to really, you know, do better with what they have. So one of the things that I hear you talking about is uh, our people's backgrounds. And you mentioned that, you know, whether you come from a certain ethnic group, or if you come from a certain kind of family, that mm -hmm. is, they have a, a heritage or generational heritage mm -hmm. of some kind that makes a difference, that that's going to impact how you think mm -hmm. about everything, but we're talking about finances. It is, and actually the first section in my book is all about your money past. And I think a lot of people need to deal with the money past before they get into the numbers at all. What do you mean by money and past? It's past. Past? The past. The oh, past sorry. years ago. My wife tells me I need hearing this. Go ahead, past. Sorry. sorry. And so, so understanding someone's money past is really important, and, and just knowing how did they grow up, who were their the people that they looked up to, what did they see, what were they taught in terms of, you know, did you hear, you know, this isn't a good paycheck for that, or I'm broke, or what were the messages, um, what kinds of examples that you had in front of you, what did you witness, things like that. And, you know, you may not know how much your parents made, but you know if you were broke. Mm -hmm. You know if mm -hmm. you were, you didn't ever have to ask, him, ask for anything. Mm -hmm. And you know that meant something. Yeah. And so how that shapes who you are today and who you want to be is, is really important. And I think a lot of people don't realize how much their past has to do with it. And that can include the cultural aspect as well. Right. So... It, could it be said that you can change your past in this converse, this conversation? You can change your future no matter what, what your, your past, past don't don't let your past hold you back from the future that you have in front of you. Because if I looked back at our past, then you know, both my husband and I would be doomed if we mm. said that, you know, <laughs> we were gonna go down the path that we were expecting, right, right financially. Mm -hmm. But because we were intentional and said we wanted to change our family tree and we wanted to make certain we were debt free and that our kids didn't have the debt that we had when we first got married, we were intentional, there's yes. that word again, yes. about creating a different future. And I'm excited that like we're 20 years in and I think we're a little bit ahead of what we thought we would be. It well, since you just mentioned that, I was going to ask a different question, but since you just mentioned that, let me ask about the proverbial wisdom in the book of Proverbs about earning wealth or making money little mm -hmm. by little. Mm -hmm. how, mm -hmm. how much do you emphasize that to people? Well, well as opposed to... As opposed to, I want to get quick, rich, Oh, absolutely. Quick. Well, that's, that's not... 
that's not what God teaches. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is, is that there is an inheritance mm -hmm. and you, you can get money handed down to you and things like that. But um, work and reward, work and reward. God will bless the work of your hands. God will make room for you when you use your gifts and talents. You know, um, it does. One of my favorite scriptures is is where he says in John and that, you know, John, second John, um, where he says that he will he wants you to be prosperous and be in health. He mm -hmm. wants that for you. Mm -hmm. But you have to balance that with using your gifts and talents and that he will bless the work of your hands. Right. And he doesn't want you to be without. He gave Adam a job on day one. Why do we think that we're going to be any different and not have a job too? Right. What is the work that we're trying to do? How does he want you to use? I fully believe that he wants you to use your talents for greater good beyond yourself. So it's important to, so that everybody understands this. When we're talking about these kinds of principles, we're talking about universal principles. That is that if you follow these things that generally speaking, this will be true. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's an absolute. It just means that, generally speaking, if you follow these principles, that this is the trajectory of your life. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to help everybody and understand within the sovereignty of God that things might go sideways, and we're not sure why. Absolutely. I mean, we have faced loss in our family that took, you know, lots of money <laughs> out of our hands yeah. to, to deal with. We have faced a loss of a job. My husband lost mm -hmm. his job. Um, it, it Just because you decide that, you know, God is your king, Right. And you're going to follow his path. It's not going to always be easy. And so you, you do have to use wisdom. You do have to look to him. But you also, in the natural, have to do what you need to do so that in the event that something happens, you're also prepared. There's an emergency fund. Yeah, exactly <laughs> true. I, you know, my family and I have been on welfare for six years. Uh, I had my job taken from me. I never mm -hmm. tell people that I lost it. Somebody took it from me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, those kinds of things happen to us. And I think it's really powerful for us to, to recognize that, but also to recognize that Scripture still teaches this, mm -hmm. and that if we follow the general principles and path, that eventually, at some juncture, you know, this will come back to us yeah. in full measure. Absolutely, and He wants you to be a good steward. You know, every time when God plants a seed in people in the Word, it produces something. Mm -hmm. And so I want to be fertile ground all the time. I'm, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to trip over myself and make mistakes and have regrets. And I, and I have. Um, even after I decided, oh, I want to be a financial coach and teach people, I've made stupid mistakes just like everybody does. We're human. We're not perfect. And so how do you get back up and keep moving forward mm -hmm. and don't allow anything to hold you back from doing exactly what it is that God has called you to do? Okay. That's the point. Yeah. If you were going to summarize, I know this is going to be really hard. <laughs> if you were, because we've got about, you know, three minutes left. If you were to summarize in a minute for us, um, mm -hmm. some of your, your classic lines, perhaps some uh, overview statement that you, if there's one thing you want people to remember, it's this. How would you help us today in that? Wow. Yes, you're right. That's hard. It is hard, yeah. One of the things I'm saying right now is find ways to make room. Um, make room for what God has for you in the next year. Mm -hmm. What do you need to let go of this year so mm -hmm. that you make room mm -hmm. for what God has for you next year? And so maybe it's cleaning up your finances. Maybe it's making room for new relationships. Mm -hmm. What is it? But make room. And some of that is very intentional. Organizing things at home, mm -hmm. throwing things away that don't matter, or giving and donating it. But make room because God needs a place to flourish. The other thing is 
you know, I say this over and over again, and we didn't really get into the meat of budgeting or anything like that sure, because yeah. we don't want to bore the people. <laughs> <laughs> but what it, it, it's not about deprivation. Mm -hmm. It's really about how much and how often. Mm -hmm. And if there's one little financial tidbit is look at how you're spending your money and see that it's not about saying no to everything. It's about how much and how often. Mm -hmm. How often are you going to Starbucks? How much are you spending each time? Mm -hmm. How often are you doing any of the activities? Most of the time is dining out. But if you want to make a small change in your habits, that might be one to pay attention to. And then the third thing that I would say is just be intentional. I'm really enjoying being intentional about having an inclusive and a, and a diverse friendship group, community group, and trying to figure out how to create that for my kids. And I think that, and how, you know, it can't just be one, it has to be many. Right. And um, my girlfriends and I who are doing our real talk, we're just being intentional. And so if you can be intentional in finding ways to have a diverse network, both at work and outside of work, inside your family, that's beautiful too. God honors that. How do people get in touch with you, communicate with you? Your website? Yes, my website is taylormadebudgets.com. And that's the best way to find me. There's ways to to spend some time with me on there, send me an email, that kind of thing. I'm assuming Taylor is T-A-I-L-O-R. Yes, okay. it's Taylor sure. made for each client. Okay. Oh, see, there you go. That's it. That's the ticket right there. There it you is. Got, you got to help Mark out all the time, I'm telling you. You've been listening to Warp and Move Radio, Radio Next, that team at the Cool Group site. Next week, Eric. Cooper will be here with us with, from the Stone Table. Can't wait to talk with Eric about all the good work that he's doing. But this week, special thanks to Erica Young. Thanks ever so much. If we know of anybody that needs financial counseling, it is obvious who we're going to send them to. <laughs> thanks awesome. for being here with us today. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Blessings on the rest of your week. We'll see you next. Mm -hmm.